0: Welcome to another episode of Movie Schmovie, uh, where we talk about movies and stuff like those things. Uh, I'm Steve. I'm John. I'm Ron. And uh, well, we've gotten together tonight uh, for a special episode. Trying, to, We were all fortunate enough to see a big film coming out today. Uh, it's the it's 21st film in the Marvel MCU um, and Captain Marvel. So we kind of wanted to get together and try to get this podcast out today. So, we were perfectly timed up with this movie coming out in the theaters. Um, Probably, you know, no doubt the biggest film so far released this year. So, I'm sure a lot of people will be seeing this movie. So, of course, we wanted to get together and talk about what we thought of it. I think we'll probably keep it mostly spoiler free, I think. Uh, I don't know what you guys have planned. Um, Yeah, I
1: I plan on keeping it pretty spoiler free on my end. yeah, I think yeah.
0: spoiler-free with, with a warning
2: towards some chance to talk about a few of the of the surprises. But yes, much much of this conversation can be kept spoiler-free because we can put it in perspective with the other Marvel films and talk about what this movie's trying to do without really ruining the plot for folks.
0: Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, So yeah, the 21st film in the whole MCU coming out. Uh, yeah. This is the precursor to what I guess is the end. So I guess I'm curious, like is is endgame the end of phase 3 or has phase 4 already started I'm a little unclear on the numbering of the phases
2: but I do believe that endgame represents the the, the culmination of something they've been building up to really homecoming not homecoming uh Spider-Man Far From Home which comes out in July is right. the last movie that they've really put on the calendar definitively that we've right. seen any kind of material for so I kind of feel like this is like the closing down of an era if but, as far as where the phases begin and end, I feel like I lost track of that somewhere around <laughs> phase two
1: my understanding is the new spider man's the beginning of phase four okay that's that's okay. W- that's what i was I, w- I have come to believe that's what you were told <laughs>
0: yeah that's what Kevin Feige told you
1: Name your sources <laughs> oh no no i I definitely didn't find out who Definitely didn't know through Kevin Feige, uh, the the Marvel wiki. You,
0: you mean you mean when you gave him his hat back, he let you know that little piece of information?
1: When I said, "Man, maybe you should maybe you should hang hang in the background for a little bit," when I when we had that conversation oh, okay. is when we okay. talked about the phases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess the reason I ask it is only because like what John was just kind of saying, like without having much else kind of officially announced or like really, I mean, you kind of know things are happening behind the scenes, they've announced production of other stuff, but like, without really seeing like that crazy roadmap that they kind of laid out years back of, you know, giving us a taste of what was coming up to where we are now. It just seems like a really interesting moment in the MCU um, for all the characters that we've, you know, been you know falling in love with over the past, you know, 21 films and you know new characters that are being introduced through this film for example and you know with the disney fox merger coming up or happening you know what what they're going to do in that play you know on that playground that sandbox is is it's really it's really interesting to see what they do from here out and you know i i was reading an article the other day like where i think where it was a podcast maybe uh where they were actually talking to kevin feige and like i think that You know, that bold thing that happened, you know, a couple years back, like where they did announce like the next like three or four years of movies. I mean, he was like making a comment that that was kind of not a mistake, but not something that they he would ever see them doing again. Just, I guess, because at the moment that that happens, a lot of the expectations for those films have already started without really giving them over to someone that can, you know, create something with that film, or, Uh, you know, people start speculating, and people start saying what it should be, what it shouldn't be, where that kind of, I don't know, I guess in some ways, like, you know, it could set a movie back before a creator, or a director, or a writer, or whatever, you know, really gets their hands on it, and, you know, has a saying in what it, is going to be from their perspective. I
2: think that that could have been a big contributor to that sense of fatigue that people talked about too, because you weren't just going to see one or two or three movies in a year. You also knew the next eight or nine movies that were coming. And I think that people started talking about that, like, oh my God, can you believe there's going to be so many of these movies? And the truth is what they've done three a year for a couple of years and yeah. That I don't. That hasn't tired me out because again, we accepted. I think we all agreed that at some point we accepted this is the Marvel TV show, and we like to go see the latest episode in the movie theater. Right. Um, and the movies do make themselves distinct, but that idea of fatigue was it was so theoretical because meanwhile DC was doing the same thing and announcing. Their, their big slate and it just seemed like what are you guys doing and then the Universal Monsters remember yeah, they announced yep. their slate yeah. so I kind of feel like Marvel you know I, I heard Kevin Feige say something similar where he almost said that was something that we felt we needed to do at that time to explain to fans what was coming and which characters were going to get rolled in right. but that they don't now they're established and they really don't need to give you that much of a, of a preview I would say that they've shown with the marketing for uh, Endgame thus far and Captain Marvel too the movie we're talking about today Um, They also have shown that they don't really have to reveal that much in the marketing either. Um, So it's almost like this idea of closing things down and not saturating you with all the information. It almost seems like it's a very targeted thing to do at this point in the sort of... The life of this franchise, because at that time, yeah, it did kind of seem like, wow, they're gonna, they've got all. It almost is boring in a weird way to know that far out what's going to happen versus having the sense of mystery that you might be able to suddenly see a trailer one day and go, what? You know. So I, I think, I think it buys them a certain element of surprise, and it feels less like a giant lumbering beast and feels more like they can make interesting movies. But again, I bet they'll still stick to their style, and I think that everything we've seen before, we know there's another Doctor Strange coming. There's probably another Ant Man. It's not like they've. Wipe the slate. Yeah. Before we get too deep into talking about Captain Marvel, I want you to explain the what I'm now calling Ronald's analogy of the fourth Chipmunk. I just want to, uh, I want you to explain your analogy of prequels and and the and the introduction of Captain Marvel because a big a big topic for us is probably going to be this introduction of this character who's clearly intended to be important. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Well. I mean, this this all came to context because we were talking about kind of the schedule of the movies and what's happened. And the first in Infinity War, the first Avengers is kind of the the implications of the war and the hint that the most powerful superhero is someone we've never seen in the 10 plus years in this uh, universe. So my comparison was basically that if Alvin and the chipmunks on season three added a fourth chipmunk named Samson and Samson were to just show up out of the blue and they just acted like nothing happened. I think Samson is essentially Captain Marvel is it, it is. I don't I don't know if it's a it, it's not a bad thing. It's just I think that in people's fandom they kind of ignore the absurdity of what has happened, and I think that what's happened is so. Here's another thing to add to the the, the chipmunk theory. I think what seems like a very uh, well thought out thing to not tell us about Phase Four is a little ha- is not as thought out as people may think. It has to do with the big elephant in the room, which is all of the acquisitions that they've made, which they knew was going to happen for quite some time, and Going ahead and and naming, okay, so Fantastic Four is going to come out in twenty twenty one, or a new X Men movie is going to come out, would be a little crazy for them to do at this point because these are characters that also are like Samson or Captain Marvel going to be added in the third or fourth season of the situation. So I'm super curious about how you guys feel about it. I'm not saying I'm not saying that what they did was sloppy or messy or anything like that. But something about it feels a little strange that they just plopped it in our laps and we're supposed to be okay with it without questioning it on any level. So that's that's all. You were voicing
2: that before you saw the oh, movie. Yeah. So I was actually wondering, how did you feel? Do you feel like this was a Samson the Chipmunk situation? Or do you think this was something a little different? Or so, did, did it work for you that they introduced
1: her the way they did? Okay, well, I guess that that's kind of the introduction of my opinion. So, I mean, I came in kind of hesitant, to be honest, because as we discussed... The trailer run of this movie, the promotion of this run, has been kind of dry. And introducing Samson uh, didn't seem like a really good idea from the trailers. But bringing Samson in after I see this movie, I can honestly say that given how messy this was, Marvel did an incredible job of cleaning up that room. After all, a spatter (laughs) that Samson made from the the cookie batter. I think there's something about this movie that feels a lot more. This feels a lot in a lot like it's in the vein of Doctor Strange and Ant-Man, even even Thor Ragnarok in the way that it's a little outside of the main story. But still serving it at the same time.
2: I would throw Black Panther in there, too, as a movie that, like, all, all, all those movies that you mentioned are sort of like origin stories where the movie got to be its own thing. Right, and still serving a story. I think figuring out what its own thing was while watching this movie, it took me a little while into the movie before I felt like I kind of get what this is doing. And then I feel like it just got better and better and more enjoyable for me. But I had that same feeling, Ronald, of trepidation almost of, is this going to be a Marvel movie that doesn't quite click for me, based purely on the fact that nothing from the... Nothing from the trailers like set my heart on fire, except for the fact that I was excited to see Brie Larson in this role. But that was all like stuff on paper. It wasn't anything I had really seen yet. Right? Um, how, how do you feel, Steve?
0: I think it suffers only because of where it comes in, in, in the MCU. I think, like, you know, you mentioning, I mean, mainly the, the, the most relevant one is Black Panther. Um, the way that that character was introduced and, like, you know as a monumental character in the MCU and movie history and, in anything having to do with pop culture um, was a historic thing. And I think that the way they did it where, you know, Black Panther was in civil war, then he got his own film, and then he had a a large role in infinity war, you know, I almost feel like they're they're I mean, they sort of tried to do that a little bit with captain Marvel by like, at least uh, like kind of nodding to her at the end of infinity war, like with the pager, But I mean, I I just, I don't know, I guess I came away a little bit disappointed in um, really stressing the importance of her character in the whole MCU, not just in this movie. Like, as a standalone movie, I feel differently. But I mean, I feel like, you know, they introduce a strong female lead, you know, that is kind of, the story is kind of told in an interesting way, like, you know, through the flashbacks, through the flashes of memory and like she doesn't remember really who she is or where she comes from and that stuff kind of works um, for the most part for me but I think the whole idea of like explaining how big of a role she's going to have um, in you know not only Endgame but whatever is to come in the Marvel films I don't know that I came away from the movie feeling like I I truly felt how huge her character was mm, um, I get that I walked away from the movie seeing how powerful she was, but not so much understanding, um, you know, I guess getting a sense of like, you know, her coming before most of these Avengers and, you know, even, you know, little winks and nods to, you know, Easter eggs in the film that kind of catch up to where the the movies are now currently, you know, in the timeline. But I don't know. I, I the more it sat with me, and like, I, and we didn't really get to talk a whole lot after we saw it in theater. Like, the more it sits with me, and I kind of like write out what I'm talking or what I'm feeling about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot more that I was bothered by. Um, you know, not 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 to get into the our feelings about the movie overall, but just in just specifically about what you're talking about in terms of you know introducing this character that is really intended to be. The, you know uh, you know a, the lead or a like one one two lead in like what's coming for the MCU um and i don't know
2: Don't you wonder how important she really can be, though, in a movie that has all those other characters kind of jostling for for screen time and some people going out? It's like I could see her being extremely important, but that could mean she has a role similar to one of the the few characters who got an arc in the first part. Do you know what I'm saying? So it might mean she's part of the team because because I just don't think I don't think it would be very satisfying. And I, I think they know it wouldn't be satisfying if if she is somehow the secret weapon that conquers Thanos. I think she can be a big part of it. Yeah. I think that the fact that she'll be ad- added to things is going to be a bonus, but I think they're smart enough to know. Just like I know they they know it won't be satisfying if uh, someone just gets the Infinity Gauntlet on and snaps their fingers and puts everything back. Like They know there has to be some other sure. way of, of sure. fixing this. I feel like Captain Marvel can be part of that plan, but maybe similar to the way Superman, not to say that... Uh, that Justice League juggled all the characters that well, but the way that Superman can be amongst characters that aren't as powerful as him and still not be the only player that matters. Of course. I don't, I don't feel like they're going to suddenly say, um, okay, there's this uh, day of sex Mac and here's this character who comes in um, in the end and, and saves the day that just doesn't feel like what they've been building towards. What I see them doing more is like springboarding her in, into like the importance she might have going forward, and especially with the idea that she's got this 25 year span of cosmic adventures that we don't know anything about, which allows you to reuse characters from Guardians. So yeah, it it gives you an opportunity to do this whole pocket of stuff that is out there in space and as you mentioned, Ronald, is very different and kind of odd and kind of out there in its own world and it's a stylistic thing you really have to accept. that They they really jump in with the kind of cosmic fantasy feel at the beginning of this. It's very far flung and there's a lot of like planet names and, and you know what I mean, aliens and stuff that gets thrown at you. Um, so they're, they're clearly setting up something that can be expanded on. But uh, as far as the character, yeah, I, I wonder the same thing, Steve, is like if there was anything that didn't quite sit well with me, it would be that idea of like, is she really going to be the, the
1: you know the key? Given the circumstances of, of a messy situation and throwing someone in as quickly as they, they did, It's the best version of it. This is the equivalent of like the way Justice League was thrown thrown together. The way that they put something together in a really short amount of time, and that's the way that it it turned out. That's, I guess, that's the accomplishment that I'm giving it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I personally, I have to be completely honest. I like this movie a little more than Infinity War, just because there was a story beyond just the combat of it. And I'm hoping that this that Endgame has a more complete thing, because you know, there's a lot more going on in the second film versus the first film um that leads up to whatever happens with Captain Marvel. And like and and like uh John was saying, I don't think that she's gonna be the savior of the movie. I do think that she's gonna have a big role though. Um but as an origin story, I thought that it was it was I've never seen a superhero movie like it. I've never seen anything like it. I I the use of uh these flashbacks was done in a way that i just haven't seen before so i i don't know i i overall i thought it was a pretty decent movie
0: so just on a baseline like i i like the movie i feel like i feel like um you know a lot of things work in the film um you know the things that i do find issue with i don't know really what to like attribute those shortcomings to like i i don't know that i walked away like really just being blown away by brie larson's performance like there are are there are moments in the movie where I really feel like I, I felt like a star on the screen and like a character that I want to see like for years to come. But then like a minute or two later, there would be like a really weird sequence where like I didn't, I, I would completely lose that character or really where that character's story was and why, you know, why, you know, why the the interest is there. But I mean, I don't know if that's her or I don't know if it's the script or the direction. I mean, I think the big takeaway for me with this film was that, like, I feel like the last few films and the last few, like, characters that, they you know, they have had their standalone films, I personally felt like this movie didn't feel like it had a voice like those films did to me. I felt like this movie felt more like a straight-up, like, action-adventure superhero movie. I didn't come away kind of feeling like the... I don't know, I guess like that sub-genre that a lot of these films kind of pull out, like whether it was, you know, like the cosmic thing that Guardians did or like, you know, the caper thing that Ant-Man did or the kind of the buddy comedy that Thor Ragnarok already did.
2: You know why I think that is, Steve? Is I think because the 90s, it, this movie is is going in for that kind of 90s action, that big action style. Like that jet roaring across a canyon and it's shooting at an alien spaceship. That felt very 90s to me. Some of the action, the fighting, some of the fighting scenes were really incoherent and then some of them were really kind of cool and I, I got kind of lost in a few of them. But what I'm saying is I think the reason why it doesn't stand out as a genre piece or a sub-genre piece like what you were saying is because that doesn't feel distant enough from what they're already doing in these movies Um, Yeah, the the kind of militaristic look, which is another kind of 90s action trope is something they've already done with Captain America and the the fight style. So I feel like it just didn't feel different enough from things they've done before. But I did see the ways particularly you mentioned a buddy comedy. I think they were going explicitly for a kind of mismatched buddy comedy between her and uh, Nick Fury. Uh, played by a very <laughs> digitally de-aged uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> sure. That worked because it didn't look weird. It didn't look too weird just watching him talk. But it was weird looking at him and going, that's not what Samuel L. Jackson looked like 25 years ago. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But it didn't look wrong. It didn't have that squishy face look that it often can when they do that de-aging. So um, I didn't think it looked as good on Clark Gregg as uh, Agent Coulson, uh, th- that wasn't as convincing. They did some something odd with his hair or something that, that didn't quite work. But yeah, uh, yeah the de-aging wasn't too uh, conspicuous considering that pretty much he's in the whole movie. I, I, I kind of enjoyed the the chemistry between them at times. I thought there were times where it really clicked and there were times where it was a little forced and that they were going for some of those laugh lines that the audience seemed to go for. But I don't uh-huh. know, maybe that was a screening crowd that was really excited about the movie. But um, there were some moments that really worked for me, and I remember I was kind of smiling at certain certain bits. It felt nice to see Samuel L. Jackson play a kind of lighthearted character.
0: Somehow, I didn't really expect that to be the the way that went. I mean, I, I just feel like I don't know. My, my, I guess the overall sense is that like I didn't come away feeling like it was as special as I thought it was going to feel. Mm. And um, you know, for for so many reasons, like what we've already talked about in terms of you know. Even if she doesn't, even if she is not the key in Endgame, like she's going to be a major force to reckon with in terms of the, the the films and the box office, and you know what they are going to do in terms of their brand for the next you know decade probably, and you know I didn't come away from it feeling like you know this was like a special moment, um, and and, and you know and that's not even saying like oh it's the first female Marvel movie, like I, I female led superhero Marvel movie, I I didn't come away feeling like they really that they really gave this movie that voice or that like event feel that I thought it I guess you know that I thought it would have and maybe that's not fair because I'm comparing it to something like Black Panther which like I said earlier truly felt like monumental like it's gonna it's it's you know it's insane like to compare those two to me I don't I don't know I don't know how you compare them um I don't I don't feel like you know, you're talking about, you know, murky action scenes. And I mean, if, if, if you know, the, sh- the jets shooting through the mountains, shooting at spaceships, like all that stuff to me felt like generic, like, you know, even like some of the, the fight sequences like in Solo, you know, flying like spaceships through the mountains and like that stuff looked better in that film recently. I mean, um, but I don't know, like, I, I guess I get what you're saying about like, you know, not having that 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 special whatever genre or like the voice that i'm trying to describe but i just kind of i don't know i just i I guess i just felt like i expected this movie for like what marvel has done for some of the other characters um that maybe don't hold as strong of a foothold on the brand as she is going to Uh i didn't i didn't feel like i walked away just completely knocked out um like i had hoped and you know and that goes for some of the action sequences I feel like some of the storyline itself is a little murky now that I think more about it. And um and like I said earlier, just like having a full understanding of of her powers and this, you know, the scope of them and and really what they are and where they came from, I, I kind of feel like it it doesn't really you know, with the exception of a pretty cool sequence where you see like literally how she gets her powers, like that's a pretty great sequence I, I I did like that a lot but I mean I don't feel like in you know a general audience member that doesn't know the comic source material would fully understand what she's capable of like a lot of other characters um, they kind of do a good job of, of kind of showing that. I don't think I I know what, what she's capable of. Like <laughs> I, spent,
2: I spent that whole first part of the movie wondering if I'd missed Same here. a couple of lines of dialogue Same that here. would have made it make more sense. And then as it went on, I, th- I, I thought, anyway, I picked up on how they were setting that up with the idea that she's got this fractured memory. It's interesting that you're pointing to the generic aspect of it, because I had accepted... When they said, oh, we're kind of emulating 90s action movies, in my mind I thought, isn't that just going to look like a kind <laughs> of generic, generic action movie? movie? I may have even said that when we were talking you about did. it on the show. You did. And then, and then seeing the trailer, it did seem generic. It, yeah. You know, People called it like superhero the movie or whatever. And I think that lowered my expectations to a certain extent to the point where I was able to be surprised and kind of impressed with how the movie right, did right. build some of these relationships and at the end of the movie I'm not going to say anything too spoilery at this point but at the end of the movie there are some some character turns that lead to this little ad hoc family of interesting characters that is sort of a yeah, uh, yeah. A, yeah. like a special thing within the Marvel world to, that they've set up a couple things that are interesting but I know what you mean it's like the movie itself does not feel that Noteworthy outside of just being another entry in this world, and there's yeah. plenty to chew on in terms of how this story fits into this world. But I was going to ask you guys, like, would we be doing an episode about this movie? if no. it were if it were just an a, a disconnected superhero movie, no, we'd be doing a day and date episode Zero. about this. Zero. No,
1: yes. no, no, no. I knew what you were going to ask. Oh, oh, oh. So I had to have a theory. Are you ready for my theory? So I think that. Everything that happened with uh, Black Panther and its its bigness and what it represented, I think that it was almost a knee-jerk reaction to not try to overshadow or shit on that that may have explained the way this was presented. It, it's almost like they went to a a group of liberals and did like a... <laughs> like a, a, a case study? They were like, so what do you think about this? How should we market yeah, w- this? W-
0: would this line work better than this line if right, we right, right. really push for like and, this?
1: And here's what I think happened. Yeah. They were yeah. like, you know, since Black Panther came out, we can't really celebrate a white woman being a super, the first superhero quite as much as we would have 10 years ago. So let's celebrate it in a cool way, but not outright say, hey, this is the first women's marvel you know what i mean because because of the barriers that that black panther broke down all i'm saying is the marketing was weird and i think that some of it had to do with how they wanted to present this idea i don't think it's i don't think it's all related to race that's not what i mean it's just the idea of somebody in their mind, thinking that the idea of presenting this in a way could seem problematic. Hmm.
2: It's interesting how the, the pre-backlash to this movie that was based around all the the usual sort of uh, yeah. you know uh, troll man-children that think that because a movie has a female lead that it's shoving a feminist agenda down your throat. Right. And because Brie Larson said some very pointed things about wanting to make sure that the junket that she would go on, she was going to do... Only a junket that had been organized to be as diverse as possible, because she sees a lot of white male critics a lot, and it's a lot of be- guys with beards, you know, right. guilt, guilty uh, of uh, sitting there asking these questions. And 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 I thought that sounded like such a natural way for her to use her status, you know, to sure. to push things forward. That I was shocked once again at the man babies getting all all uh, sad about about how they have to make room for other voices. It was ridiculous. And I, I think that that kind of builds up this desire for this movie to do really well. And there was the Rotten Tomatoes situation with the, um, with the review bombing, which isn't really a review bombing, it's a want to see rating. Um, that they used to list as a percent, and now they're going to list as a number to take away the stigma of that being like some kind of grade for the movie. So you'll now see the number of people that have said they want to see the movie instead of the percent. And, you know, I guess that makes sense. But it is interesting that Rotten Tomatoes has claimed that they were going to change their policy, but they they seem to have changed their policy kind of around the way this movie and, and uh, Last Jedi were treated by that type of troll campaign, so it is interesting that this movie came, it's not even out as we speak of it, and there's already been this story of how Rotten Tomatoes is changing its policies, so I do know what you're saying, Ronald, about how they didn't, like, push forward the political aspect of it, but I do think in the marketing throughout, there were these little buzzwords and things that were meant to kind of emphasize that aspect, and I do think they kind of seemed like they were trying to be quiet about it in a strange way. I haven't seen a ton of, of merchandising and marketing for this movie, but I guess I don't remember how much did I see for Dr. Strange you know, how much did I see for some of these these in-between uh, origin films?
0: But that's the thing I think I'm trying to get at is that that's not what this film is or should have been. Or, I mean, I mean everything that ha- anyone has ever said or even viewed this as being, like, this is the first of 21 films that they've put out that, you know, has a female lead. Like, it shouldn't be that. Like, it should be something special. Like, I'm not saying make it special. No, I know what point. you're saying. That it's like suffering for it. I mean, I just mean, you know, I mean, you may be onto something, Ron. I don't know if that's the case, but I mean, like, but as you described, like what Black Panther was, um, I feel like you know, on on a on a similar wavelength, but in a different way, this film, you know, I, I think could have should have been. I mean, I, I and I say that because I'm sure that some people will watch this and you know they'll they'll feel that it is that film, and I hope that's. A lot of people and and the majority of people. And maybe, and I, and you know, and I did want to say, like, I kind of feel like if I see it again, I I have a feeling that it's going to probably improve in my view, like, only because, like, you were saying, John, those trailers kind of got you with a little bit of a lowered expectation. And while I thought the trailers were not good, like, in the last couple of weeks, I really, like, ramped up getting pumped for, like, what this movie was going to be for all the reasons that I'm describing and that the, the three of us have talked about so far. But I mean, I don't know, I just I just think that, you know I don't know. It's just it's just weird. I, I just I, I'm very curious to see like what like how it holds over once it opens and I'm sure it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. But I mean there's a there's a um there's a chance that I feel like it's not gonna be as huge as they think it's gonna be.
1: Mm. Um
2: I I felt that I felt that all along. I felt that this movie just based on the trailers themselves that like most people were going to see this if they were excited about it. Most mm-hmm. people it was because mm-hmm. of the brand and maybe because of the cast. Right. And um and what you were saying about I mean again, there's this issue with I don't want to be like I don't want to harp on the performance at the heart of this, but I do think that maybe if there is something missing it might be that actor just inhabiting a role and just making it so dynamic and making it so iconic Agreed. but I don't know I mean it's possible for good actors to get overwhelmed by the machinery of, of this type of film you, you didn't really say much of what you thought of the performances in the movie Ronald what did, what did you think about it from a, from an acting standpoint?
1: Brie, Brie was a lot more interesting in it than I thought she would be I mean I thought there were some cool things about the relationship with her friend that I thought showed some some interesting hints about some stuff though. I was like, man, this is this is interesting with their the chemistry between these two characters. I thought that was cool. Um, Brie, in general, the problem with this is that we just watched a movie uh, just last year with a cast of super charismatic women in Black Panther, right. And <laughs> to go from that level of charisma to what Brie offered, and even stuff that's uh, Black Widow offers, and her performance sometimes, man, right. feels a little like we've been shorted in that way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And I couldn't help but leave out of the movie, like, man, I would have loved to see a Shuri spinoff movie. I wonder what a Black Widow movie would be like. I wonder what some. T- I wonder if they bet on the wrong horse. <laughs> That's really what I've been thinking, man. Like, did, was it, should this have been the first women's superhero that Marvel introduced? Specifically, since, specifically since, Wonder Woman did what it did. But Ga- but Gal Gadot is not, like, a great actress. If no! We do,
2: we do all no, think no. that Brie Larson is is a pretty pretty solid to great actress. So it's... Like, oh, don't we? I think we all do, right? We've seen yeah, her be great totally. in some yeah, things. Yeah. I think she's so great. It so is, it is a little bit odd that that's a question that we're having right now, because I say that as a big fan of hers, and as someone who did enjoy a lot of her performance in this. But I, I do think the stiffness of some of those moments... I, I It may have been a deliberate character thing, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of an analogy in the whole Marvel setup. And I can say that maybe early on, before they let Chris Hemsworth be funny, Thor had some of that feel. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I can kind of remember, and maybe not so much in any of the Captain America movies, but in the first Avengers movie, I kind of remember Chris Evans kind of having to stand there like a doof sometimes, Uh, you know, like... yeah. Because Joss Whedon was making him the sport of Tony Stark's wit or whatever, so it's like I do remember moments where there's like awkward bits of acting from people who otherwise can be very charismatic. So, so but but it's not a lot. A lot of these actors, if the one thing they've done, and I guess we've said that all along, um, is they've cast these people who instantly charm you into buying into this this you know half baked comic book fantasy stuff that, that that has always been in the Marvel comics about the characters and the other stuff is not secondary to the characters but it kind of is a growth out of the characters. The storylines always are based on the characters. So yeah. so I don't know. I, I remember feeling like Benedict Cumberbatch. I was worried about him and thinking he was kind of stiff and he that performance is a little awkward at times um but i don't remember it as the movie ended having the same kind of concerns about it about wondering like was brie larson just not in her element or something but i hate to say that because i don't i'm not an actor and i'm not you know she's amazing so uh yeah like if we're talking about why this character feels uh, you know ambiguous it might be because of the acting
0: i think i think one thing that like kind of took away from it was like, when I think about the character in the film, like I, like when I was saying earlier, I don't know if it's Brie or if it's like the story, the script, the, the direction, but I mean, one thing in her favor, like that makes me not completely write off that maybe it's her is that I feel like the more I think about, um, about her backstory in the film, I just feel like everything that we're given about the backstory is almost like an afterthought or it's complete exposition. It's right. not anything that's happening or that she's feeling that is really causing me to have any sort of emotional attachment or or, or just any emotional depth to her character. Like it's either, you know, Ju Law telling her something or her friend telling her something or the daughter of the friend telling her something or we see it quickly in an audio flashback or, or whatever it is. But I think that like really kind of not being able to feel her experience with any of that stuff, but only really kind of feel her reaction to it as she learns it is it, it I don't think I don't think it connects or you know, I didn't feel a connection when she finds these things out or when she's piecing this puzzle together that um like, for example, one thing I, th- I was thinking about today was like talking about telling stories and flashbacks or from a main character who has no memory. I think about the Born identity and I think about the idea of telling that story from a main character who remembers nothing. But then through the story, he experiences things that he reacts to and that we feel him learning things. Like when he catches you know uh or there's like a fight sequence where like he grabs like something like a i don't know if it was like the magazine or something he grabs as somebody's trying to hit him or the flashlight he like immediately knows what to do with it out of nowhere like he doesn't understand it but he's learning something about it right. and i think like in that film it's it it's different in, in a positive way like where like you know as we learn about his story you know, we're learning about it with him and we're learning about it through like things that he's figuring out or that he's learning himself, not things that are being told to him or that the audience is seeing in a flashback as he's seeing it just flash before his eyes, but not really knowing what he's seeing.
2: Yeah. You know, Steve, that's a great observation because I do think those moments played like a little puzzle that was being put together for you across the movie, but they did not play as like. Moments for for the character of Captain Marvel or
0: exactly Carol,
2: yeah, as we know her, but she's also known as Veers for the big first chunk of the movie. I don't want to tip right. too many people off to you know that, but that idea <laughs> that like that, yeah, you do think about the scenes where people are sitting. I mean, I do think some of those scenes actually were acted well and had an intimacy to them. But I also agree with you that it's strange that those big moments were played as like watching someone explain something to her, as opposed to really feeling her go through those things even though they did show us certain key moments and i do agree with you steve the flashback where she got the the you know where we see how she got her powers so to speak yeah um i thought that was interestingly shot that action was was some some of the action shots were were kind of artfully done and that was one
0: yeah yeah, that one stands out
1: Yeah. the whole through line of her having a uh, being emotional i didn't gather that at all like it felt like Remember in Suicide Squad where they were describing all the people and they never showed them being badasses and doing terrible things? Like, you know, these guys are are terrible. They're they're ferocious. They kill people on sight, and you never see it happen. (laughs) Right. That was the same thing about her emotions. I never saw a scene that I wouldn't have done something that she did. I wasn't like, oh, my God, she should not have knocked the wall out of that. She never did anything like that. So it felt like the way that I guess the whole – The whole thing, maybe it's a metaphor or or, or a direct comparison to when women have reactions to things in general and somebody's like, hey, okay, sure. take it easy. Ooh. Yeah. And somebody like gaslights them into thinking that their emotions
2: are, yeah. are extreme or something right. instead Absolutely. of just a natural reaction. I, I think that was definitely there, but I also thought that was at least written in a way that you could believe that was a mentor giving you some kind of Jedi-like training to say, deny your feelings. I thought that was decently done, but I, I didn't even think about the fact that there isn't a huge payoff for that except for the fact that um, and I was going to get to this. When you were talking about, Steve, some of the sort of plot beats concerning her didn't work because of that exposition issue. But I do think what did work for me and what did kind of had me smiling more and more as the movie was going along towards the end was the the little relationships that are formed. And I do think they show her yes. as distinct from some of the other heroes in the way that she she's got that Superman, Captain America, wanting to do what's right thing. And she also sort of goes back and makes sure that she's she's kind of redeeming herself when she finds out some information late in the movie that changes the context of what she's been doing. Um, right, 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 And she does something pretty big to sort of uh, uh, repay the this this uh you know grievance i don't want (laughs) to i don't know how to talk about it without talking about it (laughs) but also i think there's an idea of she's not out to kill the bad guy she's not out to destroy everything she's not out to have this war go on i think those are subtle ways that they they may be connected back to that idea about about emotions and compassion being a thing that that is part of her character she took on this role of kind of saying all right i'm the leader of this and i'm going to help these people
0: who i wronged yeah no that's 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 a good point i mean I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to come down on it too hard because I mean, like you know, I said at the jump of this episode, like I did overall enjoy the film and I I did like it. Um, I think it's just a management of expectations um, for the movie as itself and the movie in the scope of the MCU and the movie as their first female superhero film. So it's like a management for all three of those things for me that I don't know. You know that those three. Um, you know expectations were met um as high as I hoped it would the way they the way they really allowed you know black panther to be the movie that it is and it will for you know it's 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 a forever movie like that is and I don't I don't know if this film is that
2: you know it's weird that it's got like an underdog quality to it, it <laughs> which is. i didn't it's expect it's very weird
0: it is you're right i did i did want to kind of point out one sequence which you know with with no spoilers involved uh, when i mentioned earlier that uh anna Bowden, and ryan fleck who directed the film um i kind of was expecting a little more of their personal touch and that they're really kind of well known for like these indie dramas like really great character films like mainly like half nelson is the is the one that most people know um with ryan gosling but there is a sequence in the film when they're at um maria's farmhouse where they're kind of there's a bunch of characters outside talking and um that that sequence in the film is a standout to me like where i felt that touch that i thought would be brought throughout more of the film um of 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 characters kind of talking that isn't just exposition there is some but there's really a lot of character development happening in that scene and just as a composition you know i think it's a beautiful sequence like you know there's this really beautiful you know shot of like the sun setting and different kinds of characters standing outside having conversations which doesn't look normal but it looks right and um that sequence that whole you know what the story does at that point in the film i think really works well and that's that's one of the standout sequences that i really enjoyed in the movie what about you ronald did you have any
2: like standout moments or sequences that you would point to as among the the best um
1: yeah i i think i think um I was trying to figure out if I liked any of the space stuff, any of the space battle stuff. Um, and was I was I mentally prepared for not knowing anything about where this would take place in the trailer and then kind of being plopped into this world suddenly in the first, yeah. like, 10 minutes? Uh, I did like... She was a likable character, man. I mean, for, for some of the blandness of... Her performance on on occasion. I'm not saying her, but whatever the script called for, whatever this, whatever it called for. Because I don't think it was Bree's fault. Well, I mean, it call for her to be like a
2: blank slate who doesn't remember her right, past. And I do right. think she's trying to play that. And I, I, I wonder, I mean, how would I play that? I don't know. How would you guys play that? <laughs> how would you be a blank slate who has little flashes of memory? What, and, you're, not, and also, it. you're wearing like a rubber suit. You know what I mean? You're wearing like a rubber bodysuit, and you're trying to know how to stand.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's that. And like a, there's like a whole fish-out-of-water element to it that she's got to also balance. Yeah. Of, you know, but yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're
1: saying, Ronald. I I I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of it. I I, unfortunately there's no God. As I I sound like I don't like the movie. That there's no nothing I can think of right now. That's the first the first fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) The first fifteen or twenty minutes felt like Terminator 2 in a good way. I know that sounds weird. There were parts that felt very much like Terminator 2. The chases, the car, the car stuff. That yeah. that p- felt very specifically Terminator Two, which I loved. Um, but yeah, I don't which, know. Which
0: John, John, you still haven't seen that, right? I still haven't seen Terminator Two. Oh yeah, <laughs> John, you've never. <laughs> Maybe that should be our next episode. That, 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 seriously, man. man. We need to make that happen. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 I know what you're saying, Ronald. It's, it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, it, it is. It, the beginning of it did did I, I kind of was tapping into that kind of feeling too for the first like 15 20 minutes of the movie um but yeah i don't know the 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 challenge to really call out like a, a super memorable scene is I mean they're they're there but I don't know that like they are something that I'm just like over overflowing to talk about or like I just can't wait to talk more about this or that right um I did I did really love um, Ben Mendelsohn in the movie, I thought he was mm-hmm. great as Talos, uh, the leader of the scrolls. Um, but I, I kind of love him and everything he does. But I feel like you know he does a lot in the movie in terms of like just you know body gestures because you know being behind like you know an alien mask or makeup or whatever, you don't really see Ben Mendelsohn, you hear him and you like kind of you know know it's him and but there's a lot of gesturing and just body language and some physical beats and physical comedy happening that i think he's he's really great and uh you know he's kind of like a standout character in the film
2: yeah i would i would agree i thought that that character got to be an interesting entry in the in the marvel canon of villains because we've talked a lot about like what are the villains and what do they represent and what's the difference between a villain and and kind of just an antagonist because some of these movies have had characters who are a little more sympathetic and there is something strangely sympathetic about this odd transforming uh shape-shifting alien that uh, i do think it sounds like ben mendelson having a blast uh maybe i'm wrong but it seems like he's really enjoying it and he even gets to do a little um (laughs) shape-shifting into himself and then later commenting on his beautiful blue eyes i thought that was a fun (laughs) little uh a little little bit of uh you know I don't know if that was winking at Ben Mendelssohn or if that was just the idea of these these shape-shifting aliens kind of fetishizing humanity right. and the things that they can transform yeah. into but either way it, it worked on a couple of levels yeah. and that had like un- unexpected charm to it I, I expected that villain to be like I mean I would have been not surprised at all if he had come off like uh, Christopher Eccleston as the dark elf in uh, <laughs> Thor <laughs> yeah, the Dark World totally you know what I mean if he had yeah, just no, been totally a guy with right. with latex who goes ah, and then gets killed like I wouldn't have been surprised but um no and it had the you know I I thought that uh, the fun i thought it was fun seeing how much nick fury liked cats that was a that was a fun uh like it added to his character in this strange way to say that okay before all this stuff started to go down he was a uh, a very lighthearted fellow who who really loved a,
0: a kitty cat <clears throat> yeah it's kind of it was kind of cool too like how they managed to kind of work in like a pseudo origin story for nick fury too like along the way
1: yeah, um, right. thought which, was
0: really cool. Which, for me, to give that compliment, like I, I kind of feel like I'm burned out on Sam Jackson in general, but I mean, I feel like it, it worked in this film, and I mean, like, what you just said, John, I feel like seeing like the lighter touch to what Nick was before all this comes up and becomes what it is, um, was. I think all that worked. I mean, I thought that was pretty good as well. Well, I think next time you see him, it's going to be shaded by this, and I think that's yeah,
2: kind of interesting. Definitely. Um, so... So yeah, I, th- I guess we're all sort of mixed positive on this. I mean, where do you slot it in with the Marvel movies? Do you think it's just kind of middle of the pack, or do you think it's like where do you, where do you? I mean, we mm. don't have to think of a numerical rating; yeah, It would yeah, be hard yeah. to do
0: that. But I would probably say, I mean, for me, um, it's probably in the middle, slightly above the middle. Like I, I don't, I don't, you know, I think it doesn't. It like I say, I say that it felt generic because of my expectation, but I understand its importance, and I think it, it some of the some of the stuff happening in it works better than the best stuff in some of the worst of the marvel films if that makes sense so um you know oh, absolutely i i don't i don't think that it falls like in the middle or below the middle i, I mean in, at, at the worst it's the middle for me i mean i think like it, it's slightly above that and probably on a rewatch i think it might improve in my you know opinion um just because i'll be able to kind of go see it again as it is uh you know a standalone have my expectations reset and everything. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's no, yeah, it's no Thor Dark World or anywhere down that line for me. Um, it's definitely in the middle of the pack, if not a little higher, for sure. Um,
1: middle of the road, I'd say better than Iron Man 2 and 3. Um, so a little above middle of the road for me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's it was good. I I mean, I enjoyed it. It's, it, it feels a little messy, but i i think I think there was a point in in this whole Marvel thing that there would be some signs of that sort of thing, and i'm I'm it's kind of neat that despite there being signs of messiness that their messy their messiest task wound up being not that bad of a movie right right It's pretty cool, it's a feat, yeah,
2: I think you're right, Steve, that the highs are higher. And the lows are maybe lower than some of the more mediocre to poor uh, efforts that have been in this franchise. I think that is what makes it, in, I'm the same as you guys, kind of above average, slightly above, slightly yeah. above the middle, yeah. um, is I think that's the, it is that the high moments are genuinely interesting and that the character relationships are genuinely interesting. And that makes the stuff that's kind of clunky and that just sort of, you could argue, doesn't work. Um, that stuff... You, again you can kind of ignore it at least in terms of overall what the movie's trying to do but yeah. I think the big question is just how is that character going to be used when she pops up again and is it going to feel like as you've said Ron is it, is, is it going to be Samson taking over the whole chipmunk <laughs> band we don't want that to happen yeah man um, the the only I guess this would be a good point for people to stop listening if if they don't want to hear a little spoiler. But there's only one thing I really want to talk to you guys about um, in terms of that. If you guys are ready to move on, I think I can move on to that. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess there's the the general ending of the movie, which has her going off with the Skrull warriors, who uh, we now realize were, you know, fighting for their own right to live, sort of, They're instead of being yeah. these these. Uh, evil invaders and she's kind of repaying the debt to them and so it ends with her going off into space and all these characters from Guardians are still sort of out there so she could have this whole thing going on but they they show us in the post credit scene that she does pop up in a flash when she hears the message from Nick Fury, that, or she receives the page from Nick Fury that we saw in the post-credit scene of Infinity War, and Great. I just wondered what you guys thought of that post-credit scene. I mean, did, did that? Did you get a little excited, feeling like you were getting a taste of Endgame there? And did you? Were you intrigued by seeing the way Captain Marvel kind of popped up, or did you think like, oh, there she is? <laughs> did you get that tingly feeling that they wanted you to get? I
0: guess I, I did actually. I mean, I got t- even, even feeling like you know, you know, kind of middle mixed positive on it i thought it was pretty cool man like i thought it was really cool to kind of just get a flash of her with those characters that i care so much about and like just in that moment um which it's funny that we're saying because i don't because i think ronald left before the sequence even started um did you see it ronald yeah the the mid-credit sequence
2: there were two scenes. Yeah. Do you know about them? Do you know what they were?
1: I, I saw that somebody posted something online about it, but I didn't see it. Okay. Um, tell me. I mean, you can tell me.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, the, mid, the mid-credit sequence is basically, it shows, like, Captain America, Natasha, Um, who else is there? Bruce Banner, wrote, uh, Rhodey's there. Basically, they have, like, the pager, Uh, Nick Fury's pager, like, hooked up to, like, a, a, a battery that, like is never so that it will never die and they're just basically Mm. waiting for a response and the the pager dies and you know they bring that to his attention to captain america and natasha's attention and like they're just like do whatever it takes reboot it you know let me know as soon as it comes back on and then she turns around and captain marvel is like there
1: and oh, wow. it just
0: cuts right there, and I'm just, and it's like Captain Marvel will return in Avengers Endgame. I'm not gonna lie to you, like I got, I got goosebumps a little bit when, when it cut the black, and I'm just like, oh yeah, like, like, you know, it's like that moment of just seeing, not long now. Just seeing characters together, man. We got like a month and a half. It's like crazy. It's crazy.
2: The reason I asked is because I did get that little
0: ooh. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the best of those post-credit scenes will do that. Have you noticed post-seeing this filming? And, it, and people were like saying this online anyway. But, like, the same way they did with Infinity War, like, you know, digitally adding or removing people from the sequences, like, to kind of mislead us. But there's a couple of sequences in the Endgame trailer where there is, like, odd spacing between characters where you can tell that they've, like, removed someone. Oh. And now it kind of makes sense that, like, the person removed from these shots is Captain Marvel. And there's a... there's that a makes make sense. There's, there's a sequence in the Endgame trailer where you see those that are left kind of like walking through like an abandoned garage like in a line oh, and yeah. and there's like a space between like i think it's between like rocket and maybe hawkeye or something and it's it, it's a weird gap like there's no gap like there shouldn't be a gap like you're all walking in a line and a lot of stuff is coming up now saying like the you know that they've removed her from all these trailers you know so that you didn't see her with that gr- crew until you see this post credit sequence which is cool. I mean, that's like they're 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 good at that shit, man. They completely misdirected with the you know, that 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 running sequence from the Infinity War trailer and I don't know, like the whole like team up shot or the the hero shot from that trailer. Um but yeah, man. I I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm all in. You guys know, I'm like super pumped. I can't wait. And uh it's 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 just it's it's amazing. I mean, regardless of what you think about you know, Marvel films in general or if you, you know, how you're saying like, you know, we kind of like we're in on this like long form television series that's happening on the big screen. It's just, they do, I think overall, like it's just unmatched. I mean, I think that they've done such an amazing thing and, you know, I'm curious what happens after Endgame, but I mean, we were talking on a text thread a little while ago on our Facebook thread. It was like, I think I had sent like a a Twitter post or something to you guys. Like, you know, it was like the anticipation for, Endgame versus, you know, episode nine and just, you know, what they've managed to do with the MCU. It's kind of crazy to me that I, you know, when we were talking about that, it's like, I mean, I, I kind of feel like you're saying, like, I, I say out loud, like, it's got to be Endgame for me. And, like, listening to the two of us or the three of us talk about that, like, in like, the, the fact that, you know, myself and I think John, like, we're like, wrestling with, like, which one are you more excited for? I feel it's just like a testament to what they've been able to do. Um, to you know, arguably sort of like dethrone Star Wars from being the franchise that it had always over, you know, being that franchise that had overshadowed everything in its wake, and right that the whole culture is waiting yeah. to see what happens with exactly, it exactly, exactly. It's kind of wild, it is. So, I think overall, we're all, I mean, I know people may have dipped out if they didn't want to hear that spoiler, but. Um, we, we all kind of noted it already, but I think it's, it's definitely a go ahead. I mean, you got to see this movie in theaters. You got to experience it on the big screen. Oh, totally. Definitely, definitely go see Captain Marvel if you were on the fence about it. But once you do see it, um, you know, let us know what you thought of it. You know, you can comment on this post if you're listening to this on the Facebook feed or on YouTube, or even if you downloaded it through your favorite podcast um, platform, you know, find us on Facebook. And uh, comment. Let us know what you thought of the movie. If, if are we on, uh, are we way off, and you know who's completely, you know completely blown away by the movie. Let let us know who that is and and, and why you love it or why you have issues with it. Because we'd love to have that conversation. And it seems like that's probably one of the better platforms to have it on. It seems pretty interactive there, um, mm-hmm. and pretty easy there. So if uh, you want to find that post on facebookcom um, slash movie, we'd love to hear from you, and... Uh... What's great about that is if
2: if you post on that, as a listener, you can get responses <clears> from all three of us <laughs> as movie schmovie, and you won't know which one of us sent you a response and or we'll, gave you a it, like. Yeah. Intentionally, and we'll, we'll alternate. Sign it. Yeah, 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 we'll switch we, it up. We, we yeah.
0: won't sign it, so it'll be completely a mystery. <laughs> you know? like, we'll switch it
2: up like a couple of sneaky twins in an old Disney movie.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, um... That's it, guys. Great, great <laughs> Thus ends the story of
2: Samson the Chipmunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah! <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That that would be a good conversation point on the Facebook thread. Like, does this hold? You know, what do you guys think? Is it is it gonna is it accurate? What what's Ronald's theory? You know, how well how well does it play for you guys? That'd be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be we'll be back in a couple weeks with. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. Maybe maybe we'll finally see Terminator 2 with John. I don't know. Maybe. Right. Um, maybe not. You know
2: what? I actually would like to talk about with you guys. I want to talk about um, uh, all the creepy documentaries about parents who don't know what they're oh, doing, that'd be like uh, abducted oh, okay. in plain sight and uh, leaving Neverland. I would like yeah. to. I would like to talk those things with you guys. Does yeah, that we sound can... too grim? Ooh, we can... Oh yeah. yeah. HBO's so we'll do got Terminator be- 2, Leaving Neverland, <laughs> and Abducted in Plain Sight in the next Movie Shmovie. What an episode. What an doing.
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find past episodes, you can find Movie Shmovie on, on your podcast uh, platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We, we should be there. If we're not, let us know, and we'll find our way there. Um, but if you subscribe to us, we, you know, we thank you for that. And if you don't, please go ahead and subscribe. And leave us a comment or a rating or a you know, review. Anything like that always helps. And um, it's appreciated. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening to Movie Shmovie. This We didn't say it. This is episode 233. You know, that's what comes after 232. So just make sure you guys knew that in case you lost count. Um, that's where we're at. And thanks for listening. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. bye, bye.